Section 10, Volume 3 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night Translated by Richard Burton This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night Volume 3 Section 10 When it was the one hundred and forty-second night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the old woman came to Kanmakan and said, Of a truth the daughter of thine uncle saluteth thee, and she will visit thee this night about midnight, he rejoiced and sat down to await the fulfilment of his cousin's promise. But before the hour of night she came to him, wrapped in a veil of black silk, and she went into him, and aroused him from sleep, saying, How canst thou pretend to love me, when thou art sleeping heart-free and in complete content? So he awoke, and said, By Allah, O desire of my heart, I slept not, but in the hope that thine image might visit my dreams. Then she chid him with soft words, and began versifying in these couplets. Hadst thou been leaf in love's loyalty, ne'er hadst suffered sleep to seal those eyne. O thou who claimest lover loyalty, treading the lover's path of pain and pine, by Allah, my cousin, never yet did eyes of lover sleep such sleep in thine. Now, when he heard his cousin's words, he was abashed before her, and rose and excused himself. Then they embraced, and complained to each other of the anguish of separation, and they ceased not thus till dawn broke, and day dispersed itself over the horizon, when she rose, preparing to depart. Upon this Kanmakan wept and sighed, and began improvising these couplets. O thou who deignest come at sorest sink, Whose lips those teeth like necklaced pearls enshrine, I kissed him thousand times, and clipped his waist, And spent the night with cheek to cheek close line, Till to depart us twain came dawning day, Like sword-edge drawn from sheath in radiant line. And when he ended his poetry, Kuzia Fakan took leave of him, and returned to her palace. Now certain of her damsels became aware of her secret, and one of these slave-girls disclosed it to King Sasan, who went into Kuzia Fakan, and drawing his sabre upon her, would have slain her. But her mother, Nujata Zaman, entered and said to him, By Allah, do her no harm, for if thou hurt her, the report will be noised among the folk, and thou shalt become a reproach amongst the kings of the age. Know thou that Kanmakan is no son of adultery, but a man of honour and nobility, who would not do aught that could shame him, and she was reared with him. So be not hasty, for verily the report is spread abroad among all the palace people, and all the folk of Baghdad, how the wazir Dandan hath levied armies from all countries, and is on his way hither to make Kanmakan king. Quoth Sasan, By Allah, needs must I cast him into such calamity that neither earth shall support him, nor sky shall shadow him. 
I did but speak him fair and show him favour because of my lieges and my lords, lest they incline to him, but right soon shalt thou see what shall betide. Then he left her and went out to order the affairs of the realm. Such then was the case with King Sasan, but as regards Kanmakan, on the next day he came in to his mother and said, O my mother, I am resolved to ride forth a raiding and a looting, and I will cut the road of caravans and lift horses and flocks, negroes and white slaves, and as soon as I have collected great store and my case is bettered galore, I will demand my cousin Kuzia Fakan in marriage of my uncle Sasan. Replied she, O my son, of a truth the goods of men are not ready to hand like a scape camel, for on this side of them are sword-strokes and lance-lungings, and men that eat the wild beast and lay countries waste, and chase lynxes and hunt lions. Quoth he, Heaven forfend that I turn back from my resolve, till I have won to my will. Then he dispatched the old woman to Kuzia Fakan to tell her that he was about to set out in quest of a marriage settlement befitting her, saying to the beldam, Thou needs must pray her to send me an answer. I hear and I obey, replied the old woman, and going forth presently returned with Kuzia Fakan's reply, which was, She will come to thee at midnight. So he abode awake till one half of the night was past when restlessness got hold of him, and before he was aware she came in to him, saying, My life be thy ransom from wakefulness. And he sprang up to receive her, exclaiming, O desire of my heart, my life be thy redemption from all ills and evils. Then he acquainted her with his intent, and she wept, but he said, Weep not, O daughter of my uncle, for I beseech him who decreed our separation to vouchsafe us reunion and fair understanding. Then Kanmakan, having fixed a day for departure, went in to his mother and took leave of her, after which came he down from his palace and threw the baldric of his sword over his shoulder and donned turbaned and face-veil, and mounting his horse, Al-Katul, and looking like the moon at its full, he threaded the streets of Baghdad till he reached the city gate. And behold, here he found Sabah bin Rama coming out of town, and his comrade, seeing him, ran to his stirrup and saluted him. He returned his salutation, and Sabah asked him, O oh my brother, how camest thou by this good steed and this sword and clothes, whilst I, up to present time, have gotten nothing but my sword and target? Answered Kanmakan, The hunter returneth not but with quarry after the measure of his intention. A little after thy departure, fortune came to me. So now say, wilt thou go with me, and work thine intent in my company, and journey with me in this desert? replied Sabah, by the lord of the Kaaba, from this time forth I will call thee naught but my lord. Then he ran on before the horse, with his sword hanging from his neck, and his budget between his shoulder-blades, and Kanmakan rode a little behind him, and they plunged into the desert for a space of four days, eating of the gazelles and drinking water of the springs. On the fifth day they drew near a high hill, at whose foot was a spring encampment, and a deep running stream, 
and the knolls and hollows were filled with camels and cattle and sheep and horses and little children played about the pens and folds when kanmakan saw this he rejoiced at the sight and his breast was filled with delight so he addressed himself to fight that he might take the camels and the cattle and said to sabah come fall with us upon this loot whose owners have left it unguarded here and do we battle for it with near and far so haply may fall to our lot of goods some share replied sabah o oh my lord verily they to whom these herds belong be many in number and among them are doughty horsemen and fighting footmen and if we venture lives in this daring do we shall fall into danger great and neither of us will return safe from this bait but we shall both be cut off by fate and leave our cousins desolate then kanmakan laughed and knew that he was a coward so he left him and rode down the rise intent on rapine with loud cries and chanting these couplets oh a valiant race are the sons of nu'uman braves whose blades shred heads of the foeman clan a tribe who when tried in the tussle of war taketh prowess stand in the battle van in their tents safe close gabalunzi's ein nor his poverty's ugly features scan and i for their aidance sue of him who is king of kings and made soul of man then he rushed upon the she-camels like a he-camel in rut and drove all before him sheep and cattle horses and dromedaries therewith the slaves ran at him with their blades so bright and their lances so long and at their head rode a turkish horseman who was indeed a stout champion doughty in fray and in battle chance and skilled to wield the nut-brown lance and the blade with bright glance he drove at kanmakan saying woe to thee knewest thou to whom these herds belong thou hadst not done this deed know that they are the goods of the band grecian the champions of the ocean and the troop circassian and this troop containeth none but valiant whites, numbering an hundred knights, who have cast off the allegiance of every sultan. But there hath been stolen from them a noble stallion, and they have vowed not to return hence without him. Now when Kanmakan heard these words, he cried out, saying, O villain, this I bestride is the steed whereof ye speak, and after which ye seek, and ye would do battle with me for his sake so come out against me all of you at once and do you dourest for the nonce then he shouted between the ears of al-katul who ran at them like a ghul whereupon kanmakan let drive at the turk and ran him through the body and threw him from his horse and let out his life after which he turned upon a second and a third and a fourth and also of life bereft them when the slaves saw this they were afraid of him and he cried out and said to them ho oh, sons of whores drive out the cattle and the stud or i will dye my spear in your blood so they untethered the beasts and began to drive them out and sabah came down to kanmakan with loud voicing and hugely rejoicing when lo there arose a cloud of dust and grew till it walled the view and there appeared under of it riders an hundred like lions an hungered upon this sabah took flight and fled to the hill's topmost height leaving the assailable sight and enjoyed sight of the fight saying 
I am no warrior, but in sport and jest I delight. Then the hundred cavaliers made towards Kanmakan, and surrounded him on all sides, and one of them accosted him, saying, Whither goest thou with this loot? Quoth he, I have made it my prize, and am carrying it away, and I forbid you from it, or come on to the combat, for know ye that he who is before you is a terrible lion, and an honourable champion, and a sword that cutteth wherever it turneth. When the horseman heard these words, he looked at Kanmakan, and saw that he was a knight, like a mane-clad lion in might, whilst his face was as the full moon rising on its fourteenth night, and velour shone from between his eyes. Now that horseman was the captain of the hundred horse, and his name was Kahdash. And when he saw in Kanmakan the perfection of Kavalaris, with surpassing gifts of comeliness, his beauty reminded him of a beautiful mistress of his, whose name was Fatin. Now she was one of the fairest of women in face, for Allah had given her charms and grace, and noble qualities of all kind, such as tongue faileth to explain, and which ravish the hearts of men. Moreover, the cavaliers of the tribe feared her prowess, and all the champions of that land stood in awe of her high spirit and she had sworn that she would not marry nor let any possess her except he should conquer her in combat, Kahdash being one of her suitors. And she said to her father, None shall approach me, save he be able to deal me overthrow in the field, and stead of war-thrust and blow. Now when this news reached Kahdash, he scorned to fight with a girl, fearing reproach and one of his intimates said to him, Thou art complete in all conditions of beauty and goodliness, so if thou contend with her, even though she be stronger than thou, thou must needs overcome her, for when she seeth thy beauty and grace, she will be discomfited before thee, and yield thee the victory. For verily women have a need of men, even as thou heedest full plain. Nevertheless Kardash refused, and would not contend with her, and he ceased not to abstain from her thus, till he met from Kanmakan that which hath been set down. Now he took the prince for his beloved Fatin, and was afraid. Albeit indeed she loved him for what she had heard of his beauty and valour. So he went up to him and said, Woe to thee, O Fatin! Thou comest here to show me thy prowess, but now alight from thy steed, that I may talk with thee, for I have lifted these cattle, and have foiled my friends, and waylaid many a brave and man of knightly race, all for the sake of thy beauty of form and face, which are without peer. So marry me now, that king's daughters may serve thee, and thou shalt become queen of these countries. When Kanmakan heard these words, the fires of wrath flamed up in him, and he cried out, Woe to thee, O Persian dog! Leave Fatin and thy trust and mistrust, and come to cut and thrust, for eftsoon thou shalt lie in the dust. And so saying, he began to wheel about him, and assail him, and feel the way to prevail. But when Kardash observed him closely, he knew him for a doughty knight, and a stalwart in fight, and the error of his thought became manifest to him when as he saw the green down on his cheeks dispread like myrtles springing from the heart of a rose bright red 
and he feared his onslaught, and quoth he to those with him, Woe to you! Let one of you charge down upon him, and show him the keen sword and the quivering spear, for know that when many do battle with one man, it is a foul shame, even though he be a Kemperly white, and an invincible knight. Upon this there ran at Kanmakan a horseman like a lion in fight, mounted on a black horse with hooves snow-white, and a star on his forehead, the bigness of a dirham, astounding wit and sight, as he were Abjar, which was Antar's destrier, even as saith of him the poet, The courser chargest on battling foe, mixing heaven on high with the earth down low, as thou the morning had blazed his brow, and he rends her vitals as quid pro quo. He rushed upon Kanmakan, and they wheeled about a while, giving blows and taking blows, such as confound the sprite and dim the sight. But Kanmakan was the first to smite the foe a swashing blow, that rove through turbaned and iron skull-cap, and reached his head, and he fell from his steed with the fall of a camel when he rolleth over. Then a second came out to him, and offered battle, and in like guise a third, a fourth, and a fifth, and he did with them all as he had done with the first. Thereupon the rest at once rushed upon him, for indeed they were roused by rage and wild with wrath, but it was not long before he had pierced them all with the point of his spear. When Kardash saw these feats of arms, he feared death, for he knew that the youth was stoutest of heart, and concluded that he was unique among knights and braves. And he said to Kanmakan, I waive my claim to thy blood, and I pardon thee the blood of my comrades. So take what thou wilt of the cattle, and wend thy ways. For thy firmness in fight moveth my ruth, and life is better for thee than death. Replied Kanmakan, Thou lackest not of the generosity of the noble, but leave this talk, and run for thy life, and wreck not of blame, nor think to get back the booty, but take the straight path for thine own safety. Thereupon Kardash waxed exceeding wrath, and rage moved him to the cause of his death. So he said to Kanmakan, Woe to thee, and thou knew who I be, thou wouldst not wield these words in the open field. I am the lion to bash, known as Kardash, he who spoileth great kings, and waylayeth all travellings, and seizeth the merchant's preciousest things. And the steed under thee is that I am seeking, and I call upon thee to tell me how thou camest by him, and hast him in thy keeping. Replied Kanmakan, Know thou that this steed was being carried to my uncle, King Sasan, under the escort of an ancient dame, high in rank, attended by ten slaves, when thou fellest upon her, and tookest the horse from her. And I have a debt of blood against this old woman, for the sake of my grandfather, King Omar bin al-Nu'man, and my uncle, King Sharkan. Woe to thee, quoth Kardash, who is thy father, O thou that hast no lawful mother? Quoth he, Know that I am Kanmakan bin Zaw al-Makan, son of Omar bin al-Nu'man. But when Kardash heard this address, he said, Thy perfection cannot be denied, nor yet the union in thee of knightly virtue and seemlyhead. And he added, Fare in peace, for thy father showed us favour. Rejoined Kanmakan, 
by allah i will not deign to honour thee o wretch i disdain so far as to overcome thee in battle plain upon this the badawi waxed wroth and they drove at each other shouting aloud whilst their horses pricked their ears and raised their tails and they ceased not clashing together with such a crash that it seemed to each as if the firmament were split in sunder and they continued to strive like two rams which butt, smiting and exchanging with their spears, thrust and cut. Presently Kardash foined at Kanmakan, but he evaded it, and so pierced him through the breast that the spearhead issued from his back. Then he collected the horses and the plunder, and he cried out to the slaves, saying, Up and be driving as hard as ye may. Hearing this, down came Sabah, and accosting Kanmakan, said to him, Right well hast thou died, O knight of the age. Verily I prayed Allah for thee, and the Lord heard my prayer. Then he cut off Kardash's head, and Kanmakan laughed, and said, Woe to thee, O Sabah! I thought thee a rider fain of fight. Quoth the Badawi, Forget not thy slave in the division of the spoil, so haply therewith I may marry my cousin Najma answered kanmakan thou shalt assuredly share in it but now keep watch over the booty and the slaves then he set out for his home and he ceased not journeying night and day till he drew near baghdad city and all the troops heard of kanmakan and saw what was his of loot and cattle and the horse-thief's head on the point of sabah's spear also for he was a noted highwayman the merchants knew Kardash's head, and rejoiced, saying, Allah hath rid mankind of him. And they marvelled at his being slain, and blessed his slayer. Thereupon all the people of Baghdad came to Kanmakan, seeking to know what adventures had befallen him. And he told them what had passed, whereupon all men were taken with awe of him, and the knights and champions feared him. Then he drove his spoil under the palace walls, and planting the spear-heel, on whose point was Kardash's head, over against the royal gate, gave largesse to the people of Baghdad, distributing horses and camels, so that all loved him, and their hearts inclined to him. Presently he took Sabah, and lodged him in a spacious dwelling, and gave him a share of the loot after which he went in to his mother, and told her all that had befallen him in his last journey. Meanwhile the news of him reached the king, who rose from his levee, and shutting himself up with his chief officers, said to them, Know ye that I desire to reveal to you my secret, and acquaint you with the hidden facts of my case, and further know that Kanmakan will be the cause of our being uprooted from this kingdom, our birthplace, for he hath slain Kardash, albeit he had with him the tribes of the Kurds and the Turks, and our affair with him will end in our destruction, seeing that the most part of our troops are his kinsmen, and ye weet what the wazir Dandan hath done, how he disowneth me, after all I have shown him of favours, and after being faithful he hath turned traitor. Indeed, it hath reached me that he hath levied an army in the provinces, and hath planned to make Kanmakan Sultan, for that the Sultanate was his father's and his grandfather's, and assuredly he will slay me without mercy. Now when the lords of the realm heard from him these words, they replied, 
O king, verily this man is unequal to this, and did we not know him to have been reared by thee, not one of us would approve of him. And know thou that we are at thy commandment. If thou desire his death, we will do him die, and if thou wilt remove him, we will remove him. Now when King Sasan heard this, he said, Verily to slay him were wise, but needs must ye swear an oath to it. So all swear to slay Kanmakan without giving him a chance, to the end that, when the wazir Dandan should come and hear of his death, his force might be weakened, and he fail of his design. When they had made this compact and covenant with Trim, the king honoured them with the highest honours, and presently retired to his own apartments. But the officers deserted him, and the troops refused their service, and would neither mount nor dismount until they should espy what might befall, for they saw that most of the army was with the wazir Dandan. Presently the news of these things came to Kuzia Fakan, and caused her much concern so that she sent for the old woman, who was wont to carry messages between her and her cousin, and when she came, bade her go to him, and warn him of the plot. Whereto he replied, Bear my salutation to the daughter of my uncle, and say to her, Verily the earth is of Allah, to whom belong might and majesty, and he giveth it as heritage to whomsoever of his servants he willeth. How excellent is the saying of the sayer, Allah holds kingship, whoso seeks without him victory, shall be cast out with soul condemned to hell of low degree. Had I or any other man a finger-breadth of land, the rule were changed, and men a twain of partner-gods would see. Then the old woman returned to Kuzia Fakan and told her his reply, and acquainted her that he abode in the city. Meanwhile King Sasan awaited his faring forth from Baghdad, that he might send after him some who would slay him, till it befell one morning that Kanmakan went out to course and chase, accompanied by Sabah, who would not leave him night or day. He caught ten gazelles, and among them one that had tender black eyes, and turned right and left. So he let her go, and Sabah said to him, Why didst thou free this gazelle? Kanmakan laughed, and set the others free also, saying, It is only humane to release gazelles that have young, and this one turned not from side to side, save to look for her fawns. So I let her go, and released the others in her honour. Quoth Sabah, Do thou release me, that I may go to my people. At this Kanmakan laughed, and smote him with the spear-butt on the breast, and he fell to the ground, squirming like a snake. Whilst they were thus doing, behold, they saw a dust-cloud spiring high, and heard the tramp of horses, and presently there appeared under it a plump of knights and braves. Now the cause of their coming was this. Some of his followers had acquainted King Sasan with Kanmakan's going out to the chase. So he sent for an emir of the Dalamites called Jamit, and twenty of his horsemen, and gave them money, and bade them slay Kanmakan. So when they drew near the prince, they charged upon him, and he met them in mid-charge, and killed them all, to the last man. And behold, King Sasan took horse, and riding out to meet his people, found them all slain, whereat he wondered and turned back, when, lo, the people of the city laid hands upon him, and bound him straightly. 
As for Kanmakan, after that adventure, he left the place behind him, and rode onward with Sabah the Badawi. And while he went, lo, he saw a youth sitting at the door of a house on his road, and saluted him. The youth returned his greeting, and going into the house, brought out two platters, one full of soured milk, and the other of brewis swimming in clarified butter. And he set the platter before Kanmakan, saying, Favour us by eating of our victual. But he refused, and quoth the young man to him, What aileth thee, O man, that thou wilt not eat? Quoth Kanmakan, I have a vow upon me. The youth asked, What is the cause of thy vow? And Kanmakan answered, Know that King Sasan seized my kingdom like a tyrant and an enemy, although it was my father's and my grandfather's before me. Yet he became master of it by force after my father's death, and took no count of me by reason of my tender years. So I have bound myself by a vow to eat no man's victual till I have eased my heart of my foe. Rejoined the youth, Rejoice, for Allah hath fulfilled thy vow. Know that he hath been prisoned in a certain place, and methinks he will soon die. Asked Kanmakan, In what house is he confined? Under yon high dome, answered the other. The prince looked, and saw the folk entering, and buffeting Sasan, who was suffering the agonies of the dying. So he arose, and went up to the pavilion, and noted what was therein, after which he returned to his place, and sitting down to the proffered victual, ate what sufficed him, and put the rest in his wallet. Then he took seat in his own place, and ceased not sitting till it was dark night, and the youth, whose guest he was, slept, when he rose and repaired to the pavilion wherein Sasan was confined. Now about it were dogs guarding it, and one of them sprang at him, so he took out of his budget a bit of meat and threw it to him. He ceased not casting flesh to the dogs till he came to the pavilion, and making his way to where King Sasan was, laid his hand upon his head, whereupon he said in a loud voice, Who art thou? He replied, I am Kanmakan, whom thou stravest to kill, but Allah made thee fall into thine evil device. Did it not suffice thee to take my kingdom and the kingdom of my father, but thou must purpose to slay me? And Sasan swore a false oath that he had not plotted his death, and that the brute was untrue. So Kanmakan forgave him, and said to him, Follow me. Quoth he, I cannot walk a single step for weakness. Quoth Kanmakan, If the case be thus, we will get us two horses, and ride forth, I and thou, and seek the open. So he did, as he said, and he took horse with Sasan, and rode till daybreak when they prayed the dawn prayer, and fared on, and ceased not faring, till they came to a garden, where they sat down and talked. Then Kanmakan rose to Sasan, and said, Is aught left to set thy heart against me? No, by Allah, replied Sasan. So they agreed to return to Baghdad, and Sabah the Badawi said, I will go before you, to give folk the fair tidings of your coming. Then he rode on in advance, acquainting women and men with the good news. So all the people came out to meet Kanmakan with tabrets and pipes, and Kuzia Fakan also came out, like the full moon shining in all her splendour of light through the thick darkness of the night. 
So Kanmakan met her, and soul yearned to soul, and body longed for body. There was no talk among the people of the time but of Kanmakan, for the knights bore witness of him that he was the most valiant of the folk of the age, and said, It is not right that other than Kanmakan should be our Sultan, but the throne of his grandfather shall revert to him as it began. Meanwhile Sasan went in to his wife, Nujat al-Zaman, who said to him, I hear that the folk talk of nothing but Kanmakan, and attribute to him such qualities as tongue never can. He replied, Hearing of a man is not like seeing a man. I have seen him, but have noted in him none of the attributes of perfection. Not all that is heard is said, but folk ape one another in extolling and cherishing him, and Allah maketh his praises to run on the lips of men, so that there incline to him the hearts of the people of Baghdad, and of the wazir Dandan, that perfidious and treacherous man, who hath levied troops from all the lands, and taketh to himself the right of naming a king of the country, and who chooseth that it shall be under the hand of an orphan ruler whose worth is naught. Asked Nujat al-Zaman, What then is it that thou purposest to do? And the king answered, I mean to kill him, that the wazir may be balked of his intent, and return to his allegiance, seeing nothing for it but my service quoth she in good sooth perfidy with strangers is a foul thing and how much more with kith and kin the righteous deed to do would be to marry him to thy daughter kuzia fakan and give heed to what was said of old time and fate some person stablish o'er thy head and thou being worthier her choice upbraid yet do him honour due to his estate he'll bring thee weal though far or near thou vaid nor speak thy thought of him, else shalt thou be of those who self-degrade from honour's grade. Many harems are lovelier than the bride, but time and fortune lent the bride their aid. When Sasan heard these her words, and comprehended what her verse intended, he rose from her in anger, and said, Were it not that thy death would bring on me dishonour and disgrace, I would take off thy head with my blade, and make an end of thy breath. Quoth she, Why art thou wroth with me? I did but jest with thee. Then she rose to him, and bust his head and hands, saying, Right is thy foresight, and I and thou will cast about for some means to kill him forthright. When he heard this, he was glad, and said, Make haste, and contrive some deceit to relieve me of my grieving, for in my sooth the door of devices straightened upon me. Replied she, At once I will devise for thee to do away his life. How so? asked he, and she answered, By means of our female slave, the so-called Bakun. Now this Bakun was past mistress in all kinds of knavery, and was one of the most pestilent of old women, in whose religion to abstain from wickedness was not lawful. She had brought up Kuzia Fakan and Kanmakan, who had her in so great affection that he used to sleep at her feet. So when King Sasan heard his wife name her, he said, Right is this wrecking, and sent for the old woman told her what had passed, and bade her cast about to kill Kanmakan, promising her all good. Replied she, Thy bidding shall be obeyed, 
but I would have thee, O my lord, give me a dagger which hath been tempered in water of death, that I may dispatch him the speedilier for thee. Quoth Sasan, and welcome to thee, and gave her a hanger that would devance man's destiny. Now this slave-woman had heard stories and verses, and had learnt by rote great store of strange sayings and anecdotes. So she took the dagger, and went out of the room, considering how she could compass his doom. Then she repaired to Kanmakan, who was sitting and awaiting news of tryst with the daughter of his uncle, Kuzia Fakan. So that night his thought was taken up with her, and the fires of love for her raged in his heart. And while he was thus, behold, the slave-woman, Bakun, went in to him, and said, Union time is at hand, and the days of disunion are over and gone. Now when he heard this, he asked, How is it with Kuzia Fakan? And Bakun answered, Know that her time is wholly taken up with love of thee. At this he rose, and doffing his outer clothes, put them on her, and promised her all good. Then said she, Know that I mean to pass this night with thee, that I may tell thee what talk I have heard, and console thee with stories of many passion-distraughts, whom love hath made sick. Nay, quoth he, rather tell me a tale that will gladden my heart, and gar my cares depart. With joy and good will, answered she. Then she took seat by his side, and that poniard under her dress, and began to say, Know thou that the pleasantest thing my ears ever heard was the tale of the hashish eater. A certain man loved fair women, and spent his substance on them, till he became so poor that nothing remained to him. The world was straitened upon him, and he used to go about the market streets begging his daily bread. Once upon a time, as he went along, behold, a bit of iron nail pierced his finger and drew blood. So he sat down, and wiping away the blood, bound up his finger. Then he arose, crying out, and fared forwards till he came to a hammam, and entering, took off his clothes, and when he looked about him, he found it clean and empty. So he sat him down by the fountain basin, and ceased not pouring water on his head till he was tired. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 10 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3